All right, Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. And thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Chris Maselli, bringing you another episode all about your Colorado Avalanche. And we got a lot to get to today, but before we do that, let's do what we normally do and do some house cleaning with some social media. Follow the show on Twitter, LOPN underscore Avalanche. On Instagram and Facebook, search for Locked On Avalanche and send in those emails to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. Um, you probably are going to want to get some things off of your chest um, after what has just happened to Colorado over the weekend. Um, it's been a, a tough stretch and we're going to get to all of it um, starting with these last two games the back-to-back so if you have anything that you want to write in and I'm sure you know people seem to want to talk about the avalanche more than when they're doing uh, when they're they're not doing poorly they're just struggling uh, as opposed to when things are flying high and sailing good and everything is on the up and up so if there's anything that you want to uh, share your opinion whatever the case may be send it to lockdownavalanche at gmail.com so what did we have? We had a back-to-back against Minnesota at home and then on the road in Dallas. And I had said about a week ago not to panic. I'm still in not panic mode. The Avalanche have 50 points, and we're not even to the halfway point. But you're starting to see a trend, and I don't anticipate this lasting the full season, but it's happening right now, and this is third-period leads blown. This is not what you want to be known for, uh, for a team that's of the Avalanche caliber. And by that, I mean an upper echelon team, a team likely heading into the playoffs, barring a just catastrophic disaster. Um, But you don't want to be known as a team that blows third period leads into the playoffs, going into the playoffs. The Avalanche need to get rid of, they need to shed this, this look about them as quickly as possible. Um, and it happened again. I believe this is four games now. We're going to go over them. Um, and it happened two games in a row. And, and I, you know, I, I don't care if you have a one-goal lead, which is what the Avalanche had early in the third period, very early in the third period, which is what the Avalanche had. Good teams hold on to those leads. Either they hold on to them or they extend them. And the Avalanche are struggling to do that right now. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why, and I'm required to stay within 20 to 30 minutes, so I don't know if I can get to all of them, but um, we'll talk about what we can talk about. And first, let's just start with the first game against the Wild. First of all, I want to say, both of these games were just awesome games to watch. Yes, the Avalanche ended up on the wrong side of where we want them to be, which is the winning side, but just pure fun hockey games to watch. Frustrating, yes, and especially in the wild game. That I mean, that is a always a dogfight. Doesn't matter where those teams stand in the, the the standings. That is a dogfight each and every game. And the last two games, the Wild have gotten the best of Colorado, and it happened again early on. Minnesota took a very very early two to nothing lead, and again, this is on home ice in Colorado, and you're kind of throwing your hands up, and you're like, why can't we? get up on these guys. Ian Cole comes back, fantastic slap shot. They're down two to one. And then seconds later, Landeskog 
with a beautiful split of the of the D, the D and uh, he gets it by Dubnik for um, the second goal in really it was less than 30 seconds um, and that was at the end of the first period and that that was a theme as well for these two games the the avalanche scoring late in periods to stay in the game um, so we go into the second tied at two Minnesota gets called. I thought it was a too many men on the ice. Offsides. It was very reminiscent of what happened to the Avalanche in the playoff last year against uh, San Jose, which caused them to lose that series with Landeskog not getting off the ice in time. Completely not a part of the play. I don't like the rule. It's a rule, and Minnesota violated it. Um, but it didn't really matter because um, not too long later, Minnesota took the lead on a power play. It was kind of like no harm, no foul. Well, Minnesota did score on, on the play, so the goal was taken off, but then they just scored again on a power play. Um, Cam McCarr came down on the right side with a beautiful pass to Nathan McKinnon, went off of his skate. Definitely not a kick. I'm sure people in Minnesota think it was a kick. It wasn't. He ties it at three. So we're just going back and forth and back and forth, which is you know just exciting to watch. And then early in the third, uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar... Puts the Avalanche up four to three, and th- they have not led until this point. They they they're down. They tie it. They're down. They tie it, and this is what you want. You want third period home ice. You take a third period. You score a goal in the third period to put you up, and crowd is into it. What else could you possibly want? And then what happens? Zuccarello ties it on a really nifty play. He kicked it to himself. Um, and got got past um, Francois. It's really kind of ballsy to do that, that in that close quarters, but he did it and he scored and he tied it. And then just like that, snap your fingers, another wild goal, and <laughs> Avalanche find themselves down. Um, <coughs> excuse me. This is not. This is what you don't want. <laughs> you you went from you're in the driver's seat. Things are are exactly what you want. And then boom, boom, you're down. And um, Avalanche couldn't really get anything going. Everybody is talking about uh, the Nazem Kadri embellishment, which, I mean, I, I just don't know how you call embellishment on that. I mean, you're getting choke slammed from behind, you're, and he's skating forward. You're not going to throw yourself backward. I mean, he he got hogtied and dragged down. How you call a penalty on him there is absolutely beyond me. I don't like to blame the refs just to blame the refs. That's an easy thing to do. But that was just a a totally nonsensical call. And um, what what it essentially did was take the avalanche out of a six-on-four with, um, I mean, I think it was over a minute to go when that happened. It might have even been closer to two minutes. I don't remember the, the exact time. But they would have had... A six on four for a good amount of time. And it's kind of like, well, there's good and bad to that. Yeah, it's a six on four, but the Avalanche have been just god awful. Not that that's a power play, but, you, you know, it's a, a man advantage, two man advantage. Um, I would have liked to see that. I would have liked to see the game end like that. And it, and it was it was disappointing to see a, a hard fought game, back and forth game, end on a call like that. That's, that's when you say like the refs kind of took it in their hands if this call was made early on in the game whatever but for it to happen at that point in the game really just sealed it 
for the Avalanche because what happened? There was a Avalanche kept Francois on the on the bench, and uh, the Wild won the faceoff, and I don't remember who it was. Just threw it three quarters of the way down the ice, right into the empty net, and that was pretty much it. Really, really frustrating game. Once the Wild took the lead, um, Avalanche really. They, I mean, they they had forty four shots on goal. Um, but we're 0 for 3 in the power play, and this is the theme. The power play is struggling. Um, they're getting a lot of shots on goal. They have the playmakers, but for whatever reason, uh, the the first line seems to be, remember that has happened last year. The first line seemed to be getting stale a little bit. Um, they're still doing well, but they're not being that dominant all-star, you-can't-stop-us team. The fr- the front line is anyway the first line so that was the the wild game and then we go against the stars Grubauer's in net he needed to have a strong game and he definitely had one and I think you know he's obviously coming back from the injury but it, you know enough's enough like you've had enough time not that you've had all the time in the world but you've had enough time to get back and and be that starting goalie. Um, and he was. He played an excellent, excellent game. Gave up a, a goal very, very early to Tyler Sagan, um, which really, sh- that's not so much on him. There was two defensive men right on him, and somehow he got that pass. It was just a no-look pass that he put in. But that was within the first two minutes. JT Comfer tied it again late in the period. Like I said, the running theme. Um, he tied it at one. And the then Ian Cole with a a hybrid hockey basketball uh, goal where he just grabbed it out of midair, put it on the ground, slap shot in net. Beautiful goal. Um, and then it was just some some what-if moments. Nathan McKinnon, he, he played – I mean, he always plays fantastic. Let's get, let's get real. But uh, he had a crazy backhand that went off the post – Makar had one off the post, and it was just like, okay, what what's going to happen now? That's two. I mean, and those those were on the inside part of the post. Should have been goals that weren't. Um, they had a five on three power play and got nothing out of it because Gabriel Landeskog was hit with a tripping penalty, um, and you know they gave up uh, another third period lead. Two to one, they were up, gave up a third period goal. Um, they go to overtime, nothing in overtime for either team. So they go to the shootout, and which was the first shootout of the season for the Avalanche. And they were also the last team to take part in a shootout, which I thought was was uh, interesting. Um, and Philip Grubauer, that's not where he excels. Um, honestly, when it kind of went to the shootout, I did not have a good feeling about it. And he let in two out of three, and the Avalanche got nothing. But again, 43 shots on goal and 0 for 3 on the power play. Do you see running themes between both of these games? Late period goals to tie it, to stay in the game. Uh, Early third period goals, at least for the Minnesota game. Um, And and then just power play, again, non-existent. Even having a 5 on 3 and they couldn't get anything going. It's frustrating. I get it. And we will kind of dive into these games and see 
if the Avalanche need to change anything, I don't think they're hitting the panic button, but do they need to just change things up to give these lines and these other teams a fresh look? We're going to take a look at that. All right. So like we said, the Avalanche are, it's really weird. I don't know what kind of adjectives or phrases you want to describe them right now. Um, they're not struggling because, you know, these games are, are they're winnable games and they're just struggling at moments in these games and you get rid of these lapses and you, you, you know, you might've won all these games. They, I mean, just go back to the Vegas game, which was last week. They looked phenomenal in that game. And you're like, okay, you know, you had those couple games where you blew those third period leads and we're past that because look how well they played against Vegas. And then bam, back to back games. They're right in it. They're right in the thick of things. And then things don't go their way. And why is this? It's a combination of so many things. And, you know, we can start with the with the goalie play. Pavel Francos has been amazing. Um, and and now that Grubauer is back, what do you do? I, I, I'm tending to, to really say these guys are a 1 and a 1A rather than a starter and a backup. You have to give Grubauer chances. You know, he, he he was injured. I'm not using that as an excuse. He's coming back. He's getting healthy. He's getting back into game mode. And like I said in the first segment, like that that's all gone now. Now you have to be the man who took the reins. But the amount of time, I mean, just look at the amount of chances they gave Varlamov over and over and over again because he he kind of earned those chances and then he ran out of them. Uh Grubauer's not there yet. He earned his starting spot last year and you're not just going to give up on him. Uh and I don't want to say give up as in like bench him, but you're not going to put Francois as the starter over him this quickly. You're not going to do that because he was injured. He has played well this season and I am fully believe he can will continue to play well. But in this age of hockey, you need two—you almost need two starting goalies. And I think Colorado has that. And you play the hot hand. Francois has been hot. So I say you play him, but you have to get Grubauer back into game mode because he's missed a bunch of games. So play him. Uh, we'll see who they play this next game. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who they're playing. Um... Winnipeg. Okay. So, you know, and they obviously a couple days off. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the start. Um, and then they have the first January 1st off and then St. Louis. So again, they're kind of like not, not back to back, but you have a day off. So both of them will get a start. Who gets the first start remains to be seen, but the goalie thing I think is fine. I think both guys will kind of just settle in nicely. They're both going to play a lot and I'm fine with whoever is in goal especially after the way Grubauer played against Dallas. The first line has got to get really back to that dominant way of hockey. Uh, teams now know who the Colorado Avalanche are and who that top line is, and now they're back, and now they're healthy, and teams are preparing for them. So I don't think this top line can kind of rest on their skill and ability. They have to take matters into their own hands impose their will and say, yes, we're dominant and you're not going to stop us. Nathan McKinnon has that attitude every single night, night in, night out. Gabriel Landeskog has that mentality. 
I don't know what's going on with Miko Rantanen. He just seems like he's he's not as quick on the ice. Um, he still makes really good passes, and he's always involved in the play. Um, I don't think he's injured. I just don't know. He, he just doesn't seem to have that pep in his step for some reason to me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there's just something there with him that he, he doesn't have that, that takeover dominant force that he usually is. And I don't know what it is. But do you break up this line? They did it last year. Uh, they had to do it this year. Uh, I, I did a show when Landis Gog and Rantanen were both out about the um, the new line of Burakovsky, Calvert, and McKinnon. Do you go back to that? I mean, is that sacrilegious to, to put both Landis Gog and Rantanen on a second line? I mean, it can't hurt to try it. It was working very well when those two guys were out. Um, and like we said in previous shows, you you were able to see what else you have with those two guys out, and you were winning. So do you maybe just try it for – I mean, last year when they when they broke up the line, I think he did it for like a period, and then they were back on the ice together in the second period. Do that. Do something. Do something to shake up um, this first line. And even maybe Burkowski, he's really kind of taken uh, – not, not a step back, but he's – He's not that dominant player that he was in the first part of the season. And I think it's happened ever since Rantanen has come back. So I think you need to do something to pep him back up. Kadri's been good. I I really think, you know, he always plays hard. I think um, he. I don't really have any issues with, with him. You know, JT Comfort and Tyson Jost have to just step it up and just take the bull by the horns and, and, and just do something. <laughs> I, I really like both of these guys and I think they can, they can really add something to this team. Um, but they're just not doing it, especially comfort. Like, well, I mean, he, he played a good game the other day against Dallas, but him and Joseph just are kind of like just disappearing. Um, and, it, and I don't want to see that happen because I like both of them. I think they can offer a lot to this team. Um, so, it, I mean, I, I know Jared Bednar does not hesitate to change up lines. I don't think he's hesitant to do so. I think he's just giving this as much time as it needs. Um, but you can't just sit around and do nothing. So I, I really am interested to see what happens in this Winnipeg game um, and if he changes anything up. So we're going to um, talk about this schedule that they have um, in January and see what, uh, you know, kind of predict what might happen with Colorado in the month of January. We're going to do that right now, right now. So before we look at that January schedule, I mean, we just have to look at what Colorado has done or not done since that St. Louis game. That was the one game that they were dominated. Cannot take anything away from St. Louis. Uh, but since then, uh, they, have, they were up against Chicago, beat them handily, then lost to the Carolina game, blew a third-period lead, then lost to Chicago, Chicago, blew a third-period lead, then the Vegas game where they dominated, and then the this most recent back-to-back where they blew two third-period leads. Well, yeah, they did blow two third-period leads. So, <coughs> excuse me, um, since St. Louis, that's uh, two wins and five losses. So things got to turn around and turn around quick. And Tuesday they are playing... 
uh, Winnipeg at home, like I said, the day off on New Year's Day, and then January 2nd at home against St. Louis. So right off the bat, two division games, which have proven difficult for Colorado. Yeah, they're playing good overall, um, and they have a good record, and they're in second place, but you know, they're, they're not beating St. Louis. They're not beating, they haven't beat Chicago, um, Minnesota, Dallas, all division games, and they're losing those games and that's not good. So what did the avalanche have for January? It's interesting because it's a shortened month because of the all-star break and the avalanche play only three games on the road, the entire month of January. So, I mean, it, like I said, it's shortened, so they only play, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And if you want to include the December 31st game, 10 games, three of them are away. Um, we won't get into February because that's a really wonky schedule. And we'll talk about maybe at the end of January. But you have an opportunity here. You have an opportunity here. You have a lot of home games. You've left a lot of points out on the ice between these third period um, losses. So now is the time to get them back and you're going to be home for, for a good portion of this month. So they need to take advantage of that. And yes, there's, you know, division games, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Dallas, St. Louis. So you're playing St. Louis twice and now they are, I think seven points up on you. So both of those two St. Louis games are home too, by the way. So here, here's your golden opportunity. You have last January was where it went south for Colorado. If anybody remembers, I mean, the, the calendar changed to 2019. January and most of February were god-awful. Let's do the opposite this year. How about that? Let's, let's make that our goal. Let's check in at the All-Star break and see what the Avalanche have done with their January. So that is going to be it for now. Tomorrow we will uh, preview that. Uh, Winnipeg game and see if the Avalanche can get back on track and this is the thing once that third period puck drops us Avalanche fans are elbows on our knees and hoping and praying that everything we can get to that clock saying 0 and we're still in the league because it's just it, it is what it is right now and we have to suffer through it and again all of this will make you a better team in the end. The injuries have made them a better team. It will make them a better team in the end. Going through what they're going through and figuring out how to complete these games will only benefit them in the end. So yes, it sucks they're going through it, but you have to look at the positive, and the positive is they are going through it. And I have every reason to believe they will correct it. And it'll just be a part of the up and down season that is an NHL season. So that's it for today, guys. Uh, hope you had a good weekend, and let's start this uh, this new week and this new year on a good foot. So we'll see you guys tomorrow, and here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!